Welcome back, you guys. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Butum Tess, the comedic and introspective and personal and deeply, deeply sentimental podcast about everything that we want to talk about. My name is Tess, and as always, I am joined by just... Have you seen James and the Giant Peach? And you know the spider from James and the Giant Peach? I would compare my co-host to that. <laughs> Welcome, Trina. Trina, how you doing? I'm good. That is, you know, wow. I, I actually don't know that spider in James and the Giant Peach. I feel like I should look it up because now that you've introduced me that way, I'm like, what are we working with here? So I'm just going to... Yeah, I did. I dressed up as her uh, this most recent Halloween. Oh, she's cute. Um, oh, I like she's her. Cute. Wait, she's I French. like it. Okay, thank she's you. She's full of like, she's full of wisdom that, you know, just sometimes you say things, Trina, and I'm like, oh my God. So true. <laughs> Trina. Thank you. I live, as we all know, every 15 minutes under a train. It's called the L. Right. So I live under the L. Right. But today we're talking about under the sea. Oh, you. <laughs> you silly <We're> goat. <laughs> you silly Billy. We're talking mermaids on Hell the yeah. pod. Hell yeah. And Trina, I know you have like a very personal and kind of traumatic experience with... <laughs> The Little Mermaid. I do. I do. Should I tell? Do you? you if you it? feel comfortable opening up about that to no, our fans. No, thank you. I mean, it's so sensitive of you, and I appreciate you making space in that way. Absolutely. Um, I, the, let's, set, let's set the stage. Let's set the stage. So the year is okay. 2012 or 2013. I'm in eighth grade. <laughs> I'm very, very excited um, because I want to audition for The Little Mermaid. And I have my little Little Mermaid Junior libretto under my arm. And I have a pep in my step as I walk to the auditorium because you know who I want to play? Ursula. Yeah. Poor unfortunate oh. souls, in pain, in need. You already know I remember the song. You so already know. I have my audition. I sing Adele's Someone Like You. Of course. Oh, my God. I did do that. Sorry, I missed that part. Wow. I didn't tell you that part because, frankly, it's embarrassing. But I did sing In an eighth like grade you. with your little eighth grade falsetto or. Well, alto, I'm an alt. Maybe? I'm an alto, baby. There was no falsetto mm. involved. It was all <laughs> it was all girth in the voice. OK, um, good. Someone like you. Never mind. I'll find someone like you. I make it to callbacks and I'm like, wow, this is the, my this is the beginning of my rise. This is the beginning of my rise to Broadway fame because um, I was like, you know what? I'm breaking barriers because even though I went to a predominantly um, East Asian and South Asian high school, somehow this musical was only white people, which was crazy. Everyone that was auditioning was white except for a few of us. Um. And I make it to callbacks and I don't get Ursula, but I get the next best thing. And what do you think that next best thing is, Tessa? Uh, flounder. No, the ocean. Oh. I was cast as the ocean in The Little Mermaid. Uh. Um, and you may be wondering, how is that the next best thing? How is that the next best thing when you don't have any lines 
and you're just holding a tarp the entire show. Um, oh, well, the musical tarp. director, Mrs. DeFazio, Miss DeFazio, actually, maybe the status has changed since. It's been a while. Um, she justified to me. She said, well, you know, there can't be any mermaid without the ocean. So, yeah. And I said I to guess. myself, wow, so true. So that was that was my role in The Little Mermaid. Um, I played mm. the ocean and also every single ensemble character. So I was also an eel um, mm. on stage. There were three brown people in the whole show and we were all playing ensemble. And um, yeah, so that's kind of where I'm that's my position, you know, as a as a mermaid researcher, you know, experience haver. Um, I was not prepared. And I think that ha- that was a villain origin story because since then I actually never did musicals again. But I do bring it up every chance I get because I'm like, one of these days, one of you are going to be cast as a tarp. You're going to live to see the day. You've been slighted. I have been, but and I should live with less bitterness in my heart. I'm working on it. Maybe. But I also seem to recall like a lot of people who went to the college that we went to unfortunately um who like did art and i think of many of them as tarp people oh. um and and where they are the tarp you are the actual ocean trina oh like, like okay yeah, you know you shouldn't have been cast as a tarp but in many ways you do embody ocean oh well and that's very sweet man well my head is so big i feel like i could swim in it like a pool, like water, like the ocean. Or, or well, like an ocean. Right. <laughs> I guess in hindsight, there was no need for me to drag people at our school to make that point. But I do want to just say a lot of them are tarps. <laughs> so, but uh, mermaids in general, mm-hmm. something I think about often is that there, there are people who work as professional mermaids quote yes. unquote right in aquariums it's very popular right they got an exhibit at uh my hometown's local aquarium the charleston south carolina aquarium mm-hmm. it's one of the only aquariums actually on the ocean right um and they brought in mermaids and one of my seventh grade man teachers mm-hmm. it was a man english teacher so mm-hmm. it has to be said he was like a scuba diver for some reason at the aquarium. I do and feel so like I went men to... love scuba diving. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, yeah. They're I think always... it's a silly right. sport. I you do... can't breathe underwater. No, you can't. But I think they like they like the um, kind of high pressure it puts on their heads. Because uh, then they're close physically. to feeling something. You know what I mean? And I think... Right. And they love the endurance component of being like, yeah, normally humans can't breathe underwater, but yeah. I can. I mm. can. That's the deepest men will ever get with anything. Right. Is is when they're scuba diving. Of course. Gosh, I'm just on a roasting tear this morning. I don't know what's going on. I like it. I had a really good breakfast, so. Oh, what'd you have I for think. breakfast? I made myself some avocado toast. Okay. I was just like smiling all the live long time because, you know, when you make yourself breakfast and you're kind of like starting the day like, damn, 
I think I love myself today. Well, that's really sweet. I don't think I'm bad at breakfast. But I see you posting about breakfast all the time, and it makes me want to be better about breakfast. Do you think mermaids have breakfast? What do you think they eat? I do. I was just thinking about this. Well, because in my mind, I'm just wondering, are mermaids, like, carnivorous? Like, or, you know, at least eating fish? Or is that messed up? Like, mermaids have sharpened teeth. In that way, they're more fish than human, because all their teeth are triangular. Yeah. Oh, well, because there's many, like, iterations of mermaids, and I I think Ariel, for instance, Mm -hmm. the, you know, perhaps most notable mermaid at this point in life, is, like, probably one of those girls who does, like, a kelp noodle salad. Oh. You know. She's She's a girl boss mermaid. Yes. She's a mer boss. Cedar cedar plank grilled salmon oh that's cute i'd eat something like that for sure it's a great dish it's a great dish right but like when i picture the sirens like from the odyssey and such they were eating men's hearts out i can't wait for the coming podcast that we're about to give all of you all all thousand and forty one i think was the last number i saw of you guys um no fourteen thousand actually Wow. Welcome. <laughs> um, I can't wait to introduce you guys to our good friends who are coming on the podcast. We have Caitlin Golden, who's a fish fanatic, obsessed with fish. Oh. And then an artist friend who is is going to tell us about like the real stuff about mermaids. Cause frankly, I'm I'm not super qualified to get too too into it, but but she is. So we're going to throw it to an ad break, and we will be right back. Seven in ten girls believe that they are, in some way, not good enough. For more information on this startling statistic, please visit patriarchy.biz. But here at Gold Comedy, we're using comedy to help girls run the world. How? By helping teen girls and women and non-binary folks boost their confidence, smash perfectionism, write sharper, think faster, and command any stage. I'm Gold's founder, Lynn Harris, and I approve this message. And the message that soup is always good after a bad day. But that's not what this ad is for. Soup doesn't need ads. Join Gold Comedy at club.goldcomedy.com. You guys, welcome back. I'm so excited. We have our first guest today. She is a friend of the pod who we all met through Gold Comedy. Um, shout out Gold Comedy. <laughs> and she is she goes to Brown University, which is like historically, I think my college is arch nemesis, or at least yeah. the college that that we wanted all go to is the running joke she is a playwright she is a stand-up comedian she's like one of the funniest people caitlin golden hi Uh, hello you guys can't see but i'm blushing so hard right now tess (laughs) oh she is oh she's like a a beat wow it's crazy caitlin welcome on how's how's like your week been how's brown brown is good brown is good all of, I don't know if you guys have ever been to Providence, but Providence has no idea how to deal with snow. Like, streets don't get shoveled. 
the entire city shuts down. So it snowed last night and classes were completely canceled. That's surprising because you guys, I mean, are in the Northeast. Right. Yeah. I'm wondering why that's the case for you. I think Rhode Island isn't a real state. What do I you think mean? That's the problem. <laughs> I I think that Rhode Island has just decided that they're going to operate on a different set of rules. Like they may be in New England, but they aren't New England. Interesting. So they, in what way do you think? Like what how do they how do they resist? How do they resist the paradigm? The New England paradigm. You ask such a great question. Thank you. And I think the answer lies Hmm. hmm. It's giving liberal well, arts student the way you're answering, which I love. Yeah. I think, honestly, I'm inclined to say it has something to do with coffee habits in that the wow. rest of New England is obsessed with donkeys. And Rhode Island is just obsessed with coffee milk, whatever that is. What is that? It's like a that? sweet, it's a sweet Ew. beverage. I've only encountered it in cartons. Ooh. It's disgusting. Ew. So clearly Wait, something is messed up. Wait, that's like what they call up. it? They call it coffee milk? Coffee milk. Yeah. Oh, wow. Gross. That's weird. But you know what? Maybe that's we have Rhode right. Island listeners and maybe they can... Yeah, I'm I'm making enemies. Already. I'm, I'm making enemies left and right. We're only a few minutes <laughs> in, man. And you're already out here making enemies. Yeah. It's, it's what I'm known for, honestly. Really? Yes. I famously have... An arch nemesis. Okay. Uh, are we about to, <laughs> to name drop here, or is we this don't a we don't need to name drop. They might um, they might listen to the pod. Fourteen thousand people do. Really? Yeah. Oh so. my god. Well, Jordan, if you're out there, hey, hey yo. Sorry to um, Jordan. Who, yeah. Who's in the wrong? Or um, I mean, like, what what did what did Jordan do, if that is their real name. Our battle revolved around eighth grade speech tournaments and sort of splintered out from there. Did you do speech and debate, Caitlin? I didn't do speech and debate. I did speech tournaments, which were far more dorky. I did those too. It's so funny. I did one of those. (laughs) It's the funniest thing ever. You come with a little pre-prepared speech and like it, oh, it was ridiculous. I think it's Absolutely what got me ridiculous. into college, and I'll be honest about that. I don't think I had the <laughs> grades really. I mean, I had, you know what I mean? I had the bare men, but I think it was me talking about speech. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> talking that really about speech. sold me to the admissions people. Mm. That's powerful. Someone had to talk. Right. Someone had to speak. Why not it and be you me? you did. Right. Exactly. Thank you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Caitlin... Do you, so you're involved in the theater. I am, um, and, unfortunately. And speaking. Yes. <laughs> Do you, are you a performer forward? Are you more of the writer? Are you like Lexi in Euphoria type thing? What's your role? Right. Such a good way. Lexi from Euphoria, what a cultural reference that we're in. Thank you. What mm-hmm. a cultural I'm... reference that I do not understand. But, okay, uh, you're like alt because you don't watch Euphoria. <laughs> that's cool. I'm. It's too edgy for me to be honest. But I, I'm like a multi hyphenate creator, yes. as I've been instructed to describe myself as. I'm a director. I'm a writer. I'm an actor. I'm a producer. Sometimes I lift shit. Hello. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Yeah. That's sick. So we were talking about our first um, performances theatrically. Trina was in uh, The Little Mermaid. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. The theme of the podcast today is mermaids, in case I forgot to let you know. Um, What was your first play? It's a great question. The first big one that I remember was in second grade. I was in High School Musical, and I played Zeke, the one who makes creme brulee, but I was an awful actor, so I was only allowed to be the singing Zeke, and then they cast someone else to say the lines, and this was like a small Asian man, and I am very much, at the time, I was a very tall, lanky, Caucasian little girl, so it was very (laughs) confusing. What? What? That is a compelling performance. Zeke is a black man. Right. Zeke is a black character. And I would say that neither of you fit that bill. And so these were different times. This was circa 20, uh, 2009. Oh, so we can't we can't blame. We can't blame musical theater makers. My elementary school uh, did a production of Mulan. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh no! And Who you was were cast Mulan? as Mulan? I was not Mulan, but the two <laughs> top top build, and I'm talking like double cast. Both of them were like the blonde girl in our elementary school. You it's know, I'm talking about the blonde like, girl. She like both of them blonde, blue eyes, right? White as I'll get out, and we had no <laughs> like we didn't have. I don't think anyone from not European descendancy going to our school, to be honest. Descendancy, uh, so. wow. <laughs> I, nobody even had like a, oh no, my great, 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 you know, not even a bad excuse. Like we just had nobody right uh, from so outside funny. of South Carolina. So we had no business. But what's your experience like with uh, mermaids, Caitlin? Because we know you love fish. Uh, of course I'm obsessed with fish. Um <laughs> 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 I truly don't know where you got that. Text, but I will say that when I was little, first of all, Aquamarine was my gay awakening. And oh. I will stand behind that. How could we forget? Aquamarine. How could we forget Aquamarine? But as a result of Aquamarine, I got like really into this idea of do mermaids exist? And so I was certainly on the weird like online message boards of guys being like, I went fishing and I picked up a human. Does this mean that mermaids are real? Whoa, what do you mean? Oh my god. What do I mean? What do I mean? So, if you if you really get into the literature, there's a lot of um like pictures of like what what people say are mermaids and right. they look like shriveled old men with tails. Like Okay. <laughs> Wait, let me find this. Real Yeah, I feel like a bad picture in my head. Our viewers can't see what you're talking about, but we can, and so selfishly, I do... Look at that. Oh, okay. Well, I don't so like for that. So for those of you only tuning in on uh, audio, which I think is all of you, we have here... Right, it is uh, everyone. <laughs> it is everyone tuning we have here... in via audio. That's horrific. They've got, like, human-ish heads... Homo sapien heads and fully fish body. 
Hmm. Uh, so this is what I was doing when I was 11 years old. I was left to my own devices. I was Googling madly and I am convinced. I'm just wondering. Why you do comedy. So you saw this and you saw, and you thought to yourself, hubba hubba, mermaids exist. <laughs> or were you like, ewey, I never want to come across those. With those exact sound effects. Well, we never think about male mermaids, right? Like my gay awakening was for for the femme mermaids, for the aquamarine, mm-hmm. H2O, Barbie mermaid, you know. And someone someone needs men. Someone needs like men do need champions. Like we do need to advocate for them and their representation. Period. And that's exactly what this fossil is doing. Right. King Triton was a dolph. Okay. Say more, Tess. Tessa what coming in with the thoughts. Tessa said yes and King. also. Yes and. I'm just. <laughs> King Triton had, what is it, like 13 daughters? Alana, Alexa, Donna. And you Bada, were like, ah, yes. Why do you know this? So fertile. Because I have also been in a production of The Little Mermaid. It's. Oh, well, that truth is coming out later. Who are you in The Little Mermaid? I know. Well, Trina, I don't want to say because I'm worried it'll hurt you. No, feelings. come on. Go on. Go on because I feel like I feel like now you cuz you kept this from me. You let me tell my whole little tarp story. No, no, no. Um, I mean, so I I did get to do the little Ursula part. Okay. Oh, um, first of all, <laughs> whoa. Oh my god. It's been confirmed King Triton was a dolf. I disagree, but maybe okay. I'm a lesbian. Like we don't we we don't know. I just feel we'll like never know. I just feel like damn like I feel like we got to run it back because the, we've got we've touched on a lot yeah, like I sure. want to I want to talk about the boy bosses of the sea which is mermen. Mm. Okay. Mermen. Boy, boy bosses. bosses of the sea. <laughs> boy boss is a new term that I've been using cuz you don't exactly know what a boy boss is but when you see one Oh, you know. God. Do you know what I mean? Boy yes. bosses of yeah, the yeah, sea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boy yes. bosses are the ones they're kind of hype beasts. <laughs> They can be hype beasts, or they can be kind of like film camera types. But either way, when you mm. see a boy boss, you know a boy, you boss. Know a boy boss. And so, yeah. honestly, honestly, I would describe what you showed us, Caitlin, as boy boss material. Kind of the emaciated, skeletal, sculptural merman is I would classify a, as a boy boss. I would. Fascinating. Right. So that's like, that's my boy type. Okay. Wow. Scrawny, you know, you know you have tail. a boy type and a girl type and a they type and a, you got types. Of course. My boy type is, I guess, that fish man. Okay. Well, that would just mean you're gay because, you know what I mean? <laughs> I feel like. Well, we'll see. I feel we'll like see. if you have to be, we'll in, if, it has, if the boy that. type is like a mythical creature. That mm-hmm. doesn't, that may or may not exist. So, and like an objectively there. unsexy, unattainable yeah. mythical creature. Well, mermaids seem kind of sexless, kind of genderless, because... And that's an important point, uh, actually. Oh, and now well, you're getting into genitalia, Tess. That's yeah. problematic. Okay. No, 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 no. Hang on, hang on. <laughs> Let me back it up. Fish reproduce... By laying eggs, and then the boy fish swims over the eggs and drops fish sperm. I like this. Thank you. Really? Yeah. I mean, they don't have... There's no such thing as a fish penis. 
Hey, yo. Right. There's definitely whales. You know, there are certain animals that have penises that are kind of like, well, I don't know if we should be getting into this, but they kind of are like downtown. They're kind of like they come out when they need to. So you might not see them. And so we don't know. I mean, I guess we they kind of come out because ducks have that right. They have that. I'm gesturing. Yes. But ducks are birds. (laughs) Right. I mean, I'm not saying. Maybe fish have. But fishes and ducks. Fish and. Sorry, fishes. Fish and duck, I feel like, (laughs) you know, they're in water together at times. In a way. In a sense. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Right. Interesting. Um, I like the swim over (laughs) model, personally. I'm pro swim over and drop the fish sperm model. Right. I think that's nice. I think that's a nice way to fuck. Just swim over me. Well, okay, yeah, so and, bringing and us back to mermaids, kind of. Um, yeah, please, Christ. Maggie, Maggie <laughs> mentioned, Maggie, Maggie, our producer, um, is, is commenting that boy bosses are meant to be cute. And it's true. They are meant to be cute and they are cute. But I think the reason why I'm calling a merman a boy boss is because I think in his waking life, in, in the high time of his day, he was probably maybe not breaking hearts, but he was attempting. And so he would try to yeah. swindle a lot of mermaids and they'd be like, well, you're not really who we're trying to swindle because we're sirens and we want to be singing above the right. sea. You know, that's True. kind of why I thought he was because boy boss is kind of gesturing towards trying to be something and not quite doing it right. Maybe he's like ugly cute, though, like, um, mm-hmm. um, uh. Like like Timothy Chalamet, ugly oh, cute. You think take. Timothy Chalamet is ugly cute? Well, what's oh a better boy. example? Who's that guy on SNL who everyone is like, oh my god, he's hot. Oh my god, he's ugly. Pete Colin Jost. Pete Colin Davidson Jost. is hot, hot. Oh damn, but- I said Colin Jost. <laughs> no, my bad. no, we're talking about we're Jeez. talking about Pete Davidson. But you don't think? I picture I picture. I picture a merm a merboy being kind of like a a monster energy drinker. Pete Davidson's like a modello boy, I'd say. I um, can't you imagine <laughs> Pete Davidson with a fishtail though? I, yes, can. I can. Like so visually, yes, actually, I can. I can. So That's crazy. Easily. Wow. Boy boss. But you know who I can't? Boy boss of the sea. Boy boss of the sea. But you know who I can't actually visualize with a mermaid's tail, merman tail. Colin Jost, and that's who I said before, and that's why I think that's the point so true. you brought, the insight you're you're providing is honestly, I mean, it's stellar and it's so important, and I'm so glad we have you on as a guest. Yeah, yeah, I I'm truly. an expert, right? Ilan, are there any big things going on in your life? Any projects coming up or uh, events that you're excited about? Well, I'm putting on a play at Brown University oh, April, oh, end of April. Uh, okay. It's going to be great. Um, otherwise, yeah, just living my life. We can, uh, You can check out my Instagram if you want to know what's going on with me. And we do. Uh, we'll, we'll drop that down below in the description. For y'all to all check out. You're about to get 14,000 new followers. I hope you're prepared. I'm not prepared, actually. I fear fame. Oh, <laughs> humble, humble girl, humble. Yes, I'm I'm very, I'm nothing if not humble. Right. And also attractive. Yes, gorgeous, humble, attractive. As long as you know. Thank you so much for coming on to talk with us about merpeople and also uh, aquatic 
genitals. And thank um, you. <laughs> yeah. And as we said, check out Caitlin on Instagram and we will see her on the Gold Club. She does stand up so well. She just really does good stand up. Does so stand kind. up good. And we're going to jump to another commercial break and then we'll be back with our second guest. Thank you, Caitlin. Thank For you. For sure. Hi, it's me, Lynn, founder of Gold Comedy. You and I met before when we were talking about soup. Well, I founded Gold because I believe that comedy is power. Because when you make people laugh, you make people listen. And I want to make sure that everybody listens to women and non-binary folks. The Gold Comedy Club is an all-inclusive comedy world with women and non-binary folks right at the center. Your annual subscription includes classes, celebrity Q&As, performances, practice, and collaboration, all in a safe, ad-free community of people who get you and your jokes. So join us to amplify your voice, literally with a mic, at club.goldcomedy.com. Welcome back, you guys. Welcome back to the Mermaids episode. We're under the sea. We are on the shore. We are um, sowing our salty oats. We're joined today by not only just like an incredibly talented and impressive artist, but also a very dear family friend. Uh, She's based in Charleston, South Carolina, and she works in um, arts. She works in the arts uh, doing, she sews quilts, she makes dolls. Please welcome, you're going to love her. Please welcome Cookie Washington. Hey, Tess. It's so good to talk to you as well. I miss you all the time. <laughs> I think you are just the best energy. It's good that you're an artist, I think, because your voice and attitude strike me as one that is important in a world like this. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> it is kind of a crazy world, especially for the last couple of years. Huh? I, I showed some of the team your uh, your website, which will be linked down below. Um, and I was just wondering, because you do... Obviously, you do a bunch of art that is based around mermaids. And so I was wondering if you could speak on that, like why mermaids, if there's any lore that you want to bring up. I didn't know anything about mermaids except like the Hans Christian Andersen Little Mermaid story, which is like, eh. And then, of course, the Disney movie came out when my kids were little. And so I know all of those songs. But I was doing some research on. Um, the Black Divine Feminine, and I came across all this information about the Yoruba culture and how they and some other African cultures worship um, mermaids and water spirits as gods and goddesses. And it just started to fascinate me. I made a deep dive in and I just thought, this is it. I have found Mm -hmm. my purpose in life. I have found my tribe. I am totally a black mermaid, even though I can't swim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess mermaids, you know, whether by Disney or capitalism, I don't know, have, have been largely whitewashed. Um, exactly. What got you into art? Have you always felt like the artistic spirit? Um, was it in your family at all? Oh, yeah. Um, my great-grandmother, my grandmother, and my mother, we are um, and me, we're all dressmakers and master tailors. I'm the first art quilter in the family. Um, when I was four years old, I was visiting my grandparents one summer and my grandmother taught me how to sew Barbie dresses. 
And my granddaddy, who adored me, paid me 50 cents for my Barbie dress, <laughs> cut out of an old pillowcase or sheet or something. Um, wow. So capitalism and art were immediately sealed in my soul. And <laughs> I thought, this is great. If that whole nursing thing doesn't work out and it didn't, I can make a living. Oh, were you going to be a nurse? Yeah, that's what my degree wow. is in. <laughs> Oh my God, I didn't know this. Okay. Wow. Did it very did it very briefly. I went home and had my own babies. And uh, but you know, now I'm nursing everybody in my family. So I guess right. it did kind of pay off in the end. <laughs> oh, I was getting back to mermaids, it they just made me so happy and interested. And one of the things that um I came away with, Tess, after you know, the first deep dive and learning just so much. Um as an African-American woman who's lived in America, you know, for a lot of years, like most of them in my life, we often think that the story of African-Americans started at slavery. We got off a slave ship and boom, then we were whole people. But we were not born slaves. You know, in Africa, we had jobs and careers and lives and we were artists and teachers and doctors and brain surgeons and all these things. And that's who they stole to bring here to enslave. So I, I often tell people, and it's the, I think the most important thing that I've learned in my life is African-Americans, we are not coming up from slavery. We are coming down from being worshiped as deity. And when you look at your life like that, it changes your perspective. And I want to change people's perspective. I want us to be more aware of the fullness of, of us in, in all sorts of ways. And I certainly want my daughters and now my granddaughters. I have two adorable ones um, and one more on the way. I want them to walk in the world in a different way. You know, I want them to feel like they have pride of place here, like mm. other people do. Yes. And so, well, Cookie is in Charleston, South Carolina, which is where I'm from. And um, if you don't know, <laughs> Charleston, South Carolina has a very complex history of race relations. And so I was wondering if you've had like what your experience has been like specifically, you know, growing up in the South, raising children in the South um, with that type of mindset. Well, praise God, I was not raised in the South. Oh, I don't know if you knew this. I was born in Morocco. Oh, my God. No, I didn't. So, so I always tell people I am the African-American in the room, usually, because I was born in Africa, but I am an American. That's me, African-American. Um, nice. <laughs> I moved here about 30 years ago when I married a Charlestonian. I kicked him to the curb, but I stayed in the city. It was a slower pace to raise my children, but there were certainly lots of um, challenges being an African-American woman here. The oppression here 30 some years ago was very great. It's a little better now. I think we have a wonderful mayor in John Tecklenburg, but um, it, we still have a, a far way to go to change hearts and minds. Uh, I don't know if your mom ever told you this. I met somebody who knew your mom and you know how your mom is so sweet about me. And this woman said to me, so how do you know Emily? Are you her maid? Oh, boy. <laughs> I have been asked wow. if I have a lot of different people's maid. And Tess, honestly, I don't even clean up my own freaking house. 
Don't ask anyone. Don't ever assume. That's what a crazy, what a bad shit thing to do. There's some, there's some clowns in Charleston. Well, it's, um, but it happens, it happens so often that hmm. people can't figure out, you know, like how I would be friends with somebody cool and hip and whatever. And it's like, oh, so you're black. So this is, must be how you fit into this person's life is you must clean up their house. And, right. um, so you go, okay, if that's your experience, but it, I, we have your mom and I share another mutual friend. And one time um, I just had this really bad week, like full of racism. And I kept telling her and she was like, I really think you're exaggerating. And so we went to this party at this very fancy art gallery downtown and I was resplendent. I was wearing like this water colored paint, hand painted, beautiful silk caftan. And I had like the big Oprah hair and these fabulous yeah, earrings girl. on. And like, I even polished my nails, which is something I never do. Ooh. And so we're at the gallery. Doing it up. I was like, I was done up, honey. And, <laughs> um, and we're looking at the art and we're chit chatting with people because I know, you know, everybody in town. And this old white woman comes up to me and thrust her drink towards me and said, I need another vodka martini. My white friend who I was with was standing there near me and she was like, ah, and I was like, happens all the time. Bitch, oh my God. Oh my God, dude. Uh, and one time I was at a Stephen Colbert event when Barack was running, I think. It got written up in the in the Washington Post. This woman reporter was standing near me and all of these, this one gentleman came up to me and couldn't figure out like, again, where did little short black me fit into the crowd? And he said, are you with the choir? I would like to think that I don't look my 62 years old, but I do not no. think that I look like an 18 year old co-ed either. And right. all of the 18 year old co-eds in the choir standing up on the stage were wearing choir robes and they were standing up on the stage singing. I was standing in the crowd. God. And uh, this reporter was like, wow. And then he goes, see at the polls, we're at a thing, you know, the next day was a Republican uh, election. And I was like, oh, big day in Charleston. Yeah, it, it really was. <laughs> and somebody else came up to me and um, these two old white ladies and they said, um, honey, can you tell me where is the best place to get some fried chicken down here? We're from the upstate. And Tess, I lied to them. I said, I have no idea. I'm a vegan. <laughs> nice. There you go. I mean, cause like, I was like, and the reporter was like, ah, I can't believe this. <laughs> South. Um, it's, it really is. It, it really is, you know, but it is, it is getting better sometimes. You really are, in my mind, like the closest to royalty that I personally know. Listeners, the, the link to Cookie's website and um, probably social media is going to be down below. And I want you to go look and you tell me, you tell me that you're not touched and moved. Um, Cookie, I mean, I, I believe that um, art in all of its forms, gets across to people a lot better or differently in a more approachable way than, you know, certainly yelling at them or yeah, fighting with them on the internet. Um, do you feel like you, do you try to work these messages into your art a lot? I try to tell stories 
you know, with my art quilt. Um, and you're right, it, it works much better than, than yelling at people or trying to, you can tell when somebody's brain shuts off when they're no longer listening to you. And so when right. you're looking at, at my art, um, it, it can, because it hits you on so many different levels, it could possibly change the way you think a little bit. I don't think that anybody has looked at any of my quilts and, and, you know, they started looking at it and they were a racist and they walked away and like, I'm not a racist anymore. <laughs> that is right. not going to happen, but I think it can open their mind. Um, I just have a show at the um, Aiken Rhett house. I have all of my mermaid quilts in there and I've been able to tell the story of the mermaid riot. Do you know that story? No, I need to hear about a mermaid riot. Oh, well, you're going to love this because it okay. actually has so many good elements. So in 1867, right after the emancipation, there were a lot of free people of Charleston who were in the, like the merchant class, I guess is what you would call it then. And they mostly got their patent medicines and stuff from a, a root doctor in town as a female root doctor. And uh, this German um, apothecaryist is what they used to call pharmacist, moved to town and he wanted to like take that business away from her as well as, um, you know, engage the white citizens of the town to buy his medicine or whatever. Snake oil. It, it did not work for him, but it really angered the local root doctor in trying to clean up my language. And um, <laughs> she went around saying, nothing good is going to happen, you know, with that man being here. He closed his shop for two weeks and he created what's called a curiosity shop. Um, it's kind of like a Ripley's Believe It or Not now. Hmm. He told everybody in the town that he had a mermaid in a jar, like in the back of the upstairs of the building in a darkened corner, there was a giant aquarium and it had, you know, probably shark tails and seaweed and, you know, murky stuff and who knows what all was in the tank. And he would charge people like a nickel to go upstairs and look at it, but they could only stay <laughs> for a few minutes. So you couldn't really distinguish, you know, the root doctor was like, nothing good is going to happen. Come of this. And, uh, because we did not have Rob Fowler, uh, my favorite meteorologist. Shout out channel two. <laughs> so it started raining because it was hurricane season and it rained for nine days. And mm -hmm. on the eighth or ninth day, a little white boy and his dog drowned. So the local citizenry, and this was so cool, black citizens and white citizens got together and they were going to go string up Dr. Trot. And so they, they burst into the building and they're like, going up the stairs saying, we've got to free the mermaid. We've got to free the mermaid. And um, all of a sudden the roof caved in because it had been raining on it for nine days. And so the back wall where the tank was shoved against, that wall collapsed. And the tank, of course, flew out of the you know window and down the stairs and crashed. And supposedly the mermaid escaped. And I thought when I first heard this story that it was just like a fantasy story. And the more I researched it, I found this actually happened in Charleston. I have the oh, actual wow. newspaper um, microfish from the, it wasn't called the Post and Courier, then what was it called? The Evening Post, I think. Um, anyway, I have okay. the actual newspaper and it's written up in um, the Charleston City paper every couple of years too. It's like, this is really cool. Wow. That's insane. Yeah. The building is still there. It's the Lining House Gallery on the corner of King and Broad. Uh, wow. 
I'll be darned. Housed a black mer- a, a black mermaid, so who escaped? Wow. Well, good for her. And also, I feel like that's the movie they should be making right now and not the Little Mermaid version, because I feel like that's a lot more interesting. It is a lot more interesting. But when they're remaking The Little Mermaid, Disney has selected an African-American young woman to play the mermaid. That's right. Yes. I'm, I'm thrilled. And that means that the mermaid exhibit, Black Mermaid exhibit that I did in 2012 will be swimming back into Charleston. Oh my God, that's amazing. Um, and last thing, I feel like we can't um, not talk about the Obama thing with you um, on this part. Like, I just, I would like the listeners to know. Um, could you talk about your, your Obama experience with the quilting? I love Barack Obama. <laughs> um, when he was writing for president the first time, I probably... I think we tallied it up because just to keep your your time, I spent 350 hours volunteering and I signed up almost a thousand people to register to vote. Like I'm totally an Obama girl. The night that he won, I was at the party. And then I thought in about 20 minutes, something either really good is going to happen or really bad is going to happen. And I probably need to get the hell out of here. So I (laughs) left the Longshoreman's Hall and went home. um, So I got to see him be elected president alone, which was probably very good because I wept like a baby. Carolyn Maslumi um, calls and says, I've selected you to be one of the 44 quilters to make a quilt to honor the president. And I was like, I don't even think George Bush likes quilts. And he's like, no, the new. <laughs> like, oh my God. Yes, yes, yes. That would have been funny, though, if you made a quilt for Bush. Far different quilt than the one that I produced. Right. <laughs> and I had like, I think like 32 days to get it completed and shipped to D.C., because it had to be hung before the inauguration and all that. And so my quilt was a round quilt. And it said, I love words on quilt. It said, full of the hope that the present has bought us. And then on the inner ring, I wrote in little letter B, the word hope in 44 different languages. And it was really probably one of the most special things. And um, I think if I had died the day of the opening, I would have died the happiest woman in Charleston. But to bring racism into this again, um, mm-hmm. my mom came with me. So we pull up to the building and it's the old, it's the Washington Historical Society building, which used to mm-hmm. be the DC library, which I did not know. And um, my mom goes to my brother, who's also with me, go see if we can go in that door. And it's like, I know we can go in that door because on the front of this giant building, that's like as big as the Supreme Court building, it says, Welcome Obama quilters celebrating the inauguration, you know, whatever it's the sign says. <laughs> right. And so my mom is like making me crazy. <laughs> and so I'm like trying to be really calm. It's like, so mom, what makes you think that the door would not be open? We're actually on time, which almost never happened. And my mother, my precious mother said, when I was growing up, this was the DC library and I had to take a bus and two streetcars to get here and we were only allowed to go into the back janitor's interest and the only books we could check out was from was the damaged books from the bottom floor and so to walk into that building with my black mother celebrating the first black president was really one of the most mountaintop experiences of my life and it was just beautiful and that's um, gorgeous yeah it was 
you know, I met other quilters and the great food. And my mom was just like really proud of me. And my brother was there. It was just, it was just such a good thing. My, all my kids came and several of my friends from Charleston. So it was really awesome. Yeah. I think I went home and made another mermaid after that. <laughs> nice. And how long, how long does something like that take you to, to make um, a quilt versus a doll? It can take anywhere from like a month to three or four months. You know, a lot of it is research and then um, drawing really bad drawings and throwing them on the floor and starting again. And then right. once you get to the quilting part, you know, the actual putting it together part, that usually is six to 10 weeks. And then you have to quilt it and then you embellish it, which all the beads and stuff go on afterward. And you use a lot of beads. And I don't know. I mean, it's very nice. Yeah. And I, I get, I've tried to make little friendship bracelets before, and those things piss me off. They're always falling everywhere, and you just lose them, and this dog swallows them. Suffice to say, you are a very impressive person, artist. You're so talented. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. Thank you so much for being on In My Life. Can't wait till you come home and we can hang out. Thank you so much again for being on the podcast, and I will see you again soon. All right. Thank you so much, Tess. Have a wonderful day, hon. Thank you. You too.